coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. If you're looking at return on investment, whether it's, you know, if you're just looking at your capital, but you also, it's like return on time spent. And mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen many books or listened to a lot of podcasts on and creating a metric around return on time spent, right? And so yeah. it's one thing to, I've, I've become a fairly active angel investor. And so it's one thing to write a 25,000 or a hundred, I mean, whatever, right? 50,000, a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollar check. It's one thing to write a check, but it's another thing to commit to time on an ongoing basis because yeah. it's also another thing, whether it's your time or it's money. Am I writing a one time check or am I writing a quarterly check in essentially in perpetuity, right? Yeah. Which, once again, I think in a startup, and entrepreneurs don't necessarily even think about that. It's like, oh, I can, you know, I'll write a $50,000 check or a $100,000 check, but what about in four months or six months or, you know, whatever. And so for me, I've had to sort of build some filters. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Up next on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Tanner Myland, who is the founder of Menlo Group. So Tanner has had a very, very long entrepreneurial career. This is actually going back to his childhood and his dad was an entrepreneur, and he you know, got into some of the challenges and that that they ran into uh, when they were growing up and how that shaped him moving forward and really helps define the way that he looks at opportunities and looks at things today. So Tanner has a great, great outlook, a great perspective on a lot of different topics. I mean, we, we covered you know how to avoid the shiny object syndrome, which so many of us, so many of us entrepreneurs fall right into that. He's great ways to be able to, you know, sort of run things through filters and all that. So we talk a little bit about that. We talk about, you know, how to identify potential good partners, just really, really interesting. And and you can always tell when you have, when you're talking to someone who has a lot of experience in a lot of different types of situations, because they offer a very, very deep very insightful advice and Tanner certainly delivered on exactly that. So with all of that, I if you're interested in starting your own business, obviously pretty well everyone here is, has an entrepreneurial type mindset, but if you're interested in starting business or maybe you're you're running into some challenges with your life even keeping yourself motivated on a day-to-day basis. We talk about some of those things. So really, really conversation that went in all kinds of different directions. And I certainly am excited about this one. And I hope you enjoy today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce. I actually come from a fan. My father is was an entrepreneur. And, and honestly, I don't know that I've had these in-depth conversations if that was necessarily by choice, but he, you know, 
I grew up in sort of the construction real estate business. And mm-hmm. so it was, it honestly was a lot of boom bust and, mm-hmm. and it was very stressful. And so my, my mother, you know, I can always remember her working and she worked for the airlines. And so she actually traveled a lot. And so, okay. my, I mean, I, I, it, it, I, I hope my parents don't listen to this recording, but <laughs> It, because it makes my mother sad to think she was gone a lot it, during my upbringing. Yeah. And so there, I mean, a lot of those experiences have formed who I am today in, in a good way because I, you know, I was forced to, to learn. I mean, I, some interesting things like my youngest brother who I work with today, I used to drive him to, to preschool on the back of my mom's bike Oh wow. and I would drop, I would drop him off and I would pick him up. I, you know, they weren't good lunches, but I made my brother's lunches before school. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, a couple of bags of chips, a couple of, a couple of treats and a, you know, and a, and a drink. But so, so that was sort of my upbringing. I grew up very fast from a young age and, and took on a lot of responsibility, whether I needed to, or I just did. And so, I mean, when I kind of look back and unpack, maybe even some of the, (laughs) some of the, that, you know, the, the adversity I'm running from, I, you know, that, that sort of formed some of who I am today. Yeah, sure. Sure. And I love this because you and I have very similar upbringings. My, my dad also was an entrepreneur and, you know, I can remember being very, very young and, and having to step up and, you know, at a a certain point he, he went back to work and he worked third shift. So my sister and I basically were alone all night long. And I think we were, I don't know, nine and six or so, something like that. And, you know, people don't do that anymore, but, uh, but back then, you know, we, we, we did it because that's what we had to do. So, but, uh, but yeah, no, love it. So, so you obviously grew up in an entrepreneurial family. And like you said, you, you've seen all the booms and busts and, and, you know, some days you're high, some day, days, everything is going great. And the next days, you know, it all seems to come crashing down in and around you. And, Growing up in that type of environment, what do you think that that has contributed to, you know, your life today? I mean, does it, do do you get like I, I know a lot of like newer entrepreneurs, and I wouldn't say even if you were just getting started, I wouldn't call you a new entrepreneur because you know you you had that upbringing, you saw that you know over and over again. But do you think that it's sort of I don't want to say jaded you, but but sort of given you a little bit thicker skin? to be able to handle some of those ebbs and flows a little bit better, do you think? Yeah, let, let me let me sort of unpack something that I that I thought a little bit about. I and there's probably a lot of if I were to look at some of the common themes amongst entrepreneurs, I would say I'm a fairly classic case, you know, mm-hmm. I'm easily excited, you know, every idea is a good idea, you know, I I I'm easily attracted to to people, I'm quick to make a decision. I have a high tolerance for risk. And, and, and I think sort of the, the, the dark secret is like a lot of entrepreneurs are running from something, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's to prove someone wrong or their past wrong. I mean, what, what, there, there's, there's a running away from something. And so if you would have asked my early 20s self, I would have said, I'm never going to be an entrepreneur because mm-hmm. that creates instability and a lot of stress on a family on a marriage, on the kids. And so I would have told you, I'm never going to be an entrepreneur for that reason alone. Mm-hmm. And, and actually part of some of the decisions I've made and the things I've done, I have a super high tolerance for risk. 
but I have to throttle that because I've seen the impacts that, you know, boom bust can do the stress it can put on a marriage Mm -hmm. and a family and on the kids. And frankly, I don't want that. I didn't want to do that. And so, you know, it's, those are the things that, that have sort of shaped some of the decisions I've made and how I've progressed where, you know, I mean, I got into you know, the industry that I'm, that I'm still in today as I, you know, I, I always say I'm, I was an entrepreneur. Okay. I mean, I was in professional services and that would be similar to any, you know, whether you're a financial planner, a CPA, an attorney, you know, I happen to have been a, a commercial real estate broker. And so I was servicing clients, mm-hmm. you know, I was a professional mm-hmm. service provider and didn't necessarily go into it with the intent of, I want to, you know, I want to own my own business and yeah. conquer the world. It was, I want to provide for my family and make a good income. I want to take care of my clients. And it just so happened that this, almost this insatiable desire to learn, this continual learner in me, not because I ever thought I was, you know, I could do it better, but it was always in pursuit of a better way. You, I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that it's kind of like under the system I'm in, I it can't really do these things i can't yeah. challenge the status quo i'm sort of stuck in this in the system and that was i mean so that that was kind of how how i got my start but i do have a very unique sort of beginnings and story because so i have five kids mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. my oldest daughter so my second was born with a congenital heart defect oh wow wow she was born on leap day uh, of 2008. Okay. And the world wasn't quite, the world was starting to end, you know, the yeah. financial crisis was beginning, yep. but no one really knew it yet. And so here, uh, you know, I'm going through the, the, the single hardest experience of my whole life from February to August, my daughter mm-hmm. in and out of the hospital, you know, not to, and I'm not going to, but a lot of, a lot of emotional, sure. spiritual, financial strain. Yeah. And then, and after all that, in the midst of the economy we're in, I feel compelled in October of that same year to say, I'm going to hang my shingle and start my own firm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm going to pull out every dollar of home equity I have left. Yeah. I'm going to max every, you know, max the credit cards and I'm going to do this. Yeah. And and so, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of stories very similar to that, where it's like you put it all on the line. And so it's really, I mean, you burn the boats and you're all in and you're going to, you're going to make it work at all costs. Mm-hmm. And, but it's because of that experience, you know, with my, with my daughter, that it was like, I always had this sort of foundational of like the constant check-in of like, what's this all about? And easy, even as growth got easier and success got greater and clearer I still had to sort of check back in with like if I'm not staying connected to the relationships that matter most to me I'm doing this for all the wrong reasons yeah yeah and and how did you how did you ensure that that connection was still there I mean obviously I'm sure that there's conversations that are had but but at the same time you know people can you know, placate you to, to, in a way of supporting you at the same time, you know, they may, they may believe that whatever your path is, whatever that it is that you're trying to accomplish, 
you know, is, is a path that they want to be able to help support. So did, did you ever, did you, were you ever in a situation where you felt like, you know, I, I, I have all the support, but maybe, maybe there's something there, maybe that connection isn't there, or were you sort of, you know, steadfast where, where you were good with, you know, all of these relationships that you're, you know, trying to protect and trying to, you know, maintain and, and, you know, I, 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 I personally have gone through this exact same type of thing where it's like, I don't know if I'm doing this right or not. I might, you know, they, they might just be telling me, you know, what I want to hear to, to make me feel good, but at the same time, they might be suffering, you know, inside as well. So I'm just, I'm just curious if you've ever felt anything like that, or if that was, you know, something that you had approached your, I guess your situation is a little bit differently than maybe what I had pro- approached mine. No, look, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I've not been spared from a lot of, you know, poor decisions and, mm-hmm. you know, it, call it even failures, right? Mm-hmm. Decisions that were made that, that weren't the right decisions. And, and that's a lot of professional decisions, you know, strategic decisions, but, but even personal decisions. And hey, it's Matt. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've been involved in the multifamily real estate realm for a while. It's something that I truly, truly enjoy, and I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling it the MultiWiser Deal Room. It's a community of individuals just like you who want to get wise about multifamily real estate investing, developing, and even owning and managing your own complexes. You'll be able to network with people from all sections of the industry, from investors looking for deals, project managers looking for investors, real estate brokers, property management agencies, contractors, remodeling experts, finance gurus, you name it, we're going to have it in the network. I've been at this for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one of these projects happen. And the MultiWiser Deal Room is my attempt to shorten your learning curve and get you plugged into leading experts fast who can help you close your own deals. We start off with a video glossary of over 150 commonly used terms to increase your understanding and help you get moving. Also included in the community are training videos to help you be successful, like how to put together a pitch deck, build a team, and so much more. We're going to have live interactive Zoom calls where you can ask your questions and learn from people who are actually out there in the industry doing it. For more information, go to multiwiser.com. You know, I've just looked at those all as raw material for, you know, building, creating, and designing my my future. And yeah. I don't know if that's just blessed with the right mindset, you know, an abundant mindset of, of using those things. And I mean, it's funny because my son asked me maybe a week or two ago, he's like, dad, of all the things, what, what are, what's the biggest like professional regret you have? Mm-hmm. You know, like I had started, I had started, you know, multiple other companies and things. And he starts kind of asking, do you regret doing that? And I'm, and I, you know, and we're having this conversation, he's 15 years old mm-hmm. and I, and I'm like, you know what? I don't regret that because this, this, and this was learned. And so, I mean, I, I feel very blessed to have that mindset of mm-hmm. every time I feel that I'm, you know, and again, I've look, I've offended people. I've, I've harmed meaningful relationships. I've approached something the wrong way. I've, you know, made the wrong, whatever, make, I mean, made the wrong decisions 
But when I look back and process and then say, what can I learn and what would I do different? How would I do that differently? You know, and I probably do that obnoxiously where like it drives my wife crazy where, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's like a trip or a day. And I, I'm constantly like, okay, if we were to start that day over, what would we do? And if we would go on that trip again, how would we, you know, and to the point where she's like, just stop, just, just let this be in the moment, moment. you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, but so, I mean, that's, I think we're all kind of, you know, we're all probably naturally good at certain things and we need to work on the things we're not good at. And for me, I'm not naturally good at being present. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, I'm either in the future or I'm dissecting the past. And, you know, one of my strengths is I'm futuristic. So I'm always kind of looking at the, the, the next, you know, whatever that is. And so I think it's critical for, you know, all entrepreneurs to constantly be, you know, learning from the past. Mm-hmm. And just because it's working doesn't mean, I mean, to your, to your, really to your question after I've just blabbed is how do you avoid, you know, sort of that. And I'm, I'm sure there's the, the, a named bias for this, whether it's, you know, the fallacy, you know, the confirmation fallacy or something where you think what you're doing just because it's working, it's, you're, you know, you're a genius, you're, you've got it, you're talented. And that just may be that you're, you got good clients, you're in a good business, economy's good, whatever it is, not that anything you're doing is extraordinary or special. And so yeah. I mean, you almost have to constantly be evaluating, is there a different way, a better way? And, but I think that's the same in relationships. I, yeah, I've said this, sure. I've said this to friends over the years that, you know, have, you know, we're madly in love, got married, and then it just, you know, it went away. And it's the same if you're servicing clients, like, well, what, what changed where you always have to be in that dating phase, mm-hmm. or you, or you will, it, you'll grow apart, whether it's yeah. again, clients, vendors, business partners, you know, platonic partners. I mean, if we're not nurturing that, and sort of, I mean, what, what's different about the uniqueness of dating, or even trying to win a client is you're trying to impress you're you're showing you're trying to be the best version of yourself and why do we get out of that why do we stop trying to be the best version of ourselves, personally professionally and i think that's natural for all of us you get you get lazy you get complacent and i mean that's the the that's lazy life. the lazy version of ourselves is not the people want that not the version people really want to engage with yeah They're like yeah yeah, so. no, that makes that makes sense. That makes sense. And you mentioned a couple of times too about about your mindset and the way that you, you know, view different things. Do you have any any insights? I I consider myself a very very positive person, and I always try to look for the positive in no matter you know what whatever the situation is. Do you have any you know thoughts or insights into how to you know create? the right mindset, you know, for whatever situation you might, you might be in any, any thoughts along those, along those lines? You bet. So, I mean, I think it's important to disclose I'm a highly religious person person. Mm -hmm. And so my, my faith is really paramount to the core of who I am, but outside of, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of people that whatever your faith or your, your, you know, your uh, belief in what in deity or whatever that is, uh, you know, adopting a gratitude practice and mindfulness. And I mean, these are some, just some tools and concepts that have really, really benefited. I felt, I mean, if I were to look, I feel like I was 
raised in a fixed mindset home and have the natural tendency to have a fixed mindset. But I think being in a, in a state of gratitude. And so, I mean, I've kind of developed my own little, you know, morning journal and evening journal. You know, I've tried every, you know, mm-hmm. five minute journal, six minute journal, that, 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 you know, and they're all fantastic. But to start my day in gratitude and end my day in gratitude, that not that I'm, I'm perfect and I have it all figured out, but being in gratitude, it's not, to me, it's not necessarily being like optimistic, mm-hmm. at, at, you know, and seeing the good in everything. It's being grateful. And that's, I mean, maybe that's a different, a, a, a repackaged way of saying the same thing. But for me, gratitude is, is, is different and more mm-hmm. powerful than optimism or seeing the good. It's, you know, because even in a really crappy situation, we can find gratitude. Sure. And, and that doesn't mean you don't, you don't, you don't fire vendors, you don't fire employees, you don't, you know, there's, once again, that's this idea of optimism where, look, it sucks. I mean, mm-hmm. I just had to let someone that's been, been at our company for five or six years and a, a, a friend, a person I deeply care about, but it just, it was, we, you know, we, the, the role, the needs had evolved and, and so it's, that's not an optimistic experience, but we can be grateful for, you know, experience, connection, opportunity, a lot of different things. And so I do feel like, you know, and for me, mindfulness, you know, having some form of a meditation or clearing, because there is a lot of negative energy. I mean, especially I feel like yeah. in today's world, it's just it's constant yeah. negative energy. How do you clear that? And really, you know, maybe there it's all together, but I mean, to me, prayer is different than meditation is different than, you know, a gratitude practice. And maybe for some, they kind of bring all that together. But to me, those are like three distinct activities that I, that I, that I do on a daily basis that really help me sort of encounter the, the challenges that we all face. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And, and, you know, each one of those buckets could, could be a, you know, a whole podcast in itself, but I'm, I'm just curious like uh, for the, for the, you know, the, the gratitude portion, do you currently use any, you know, the, 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 the six minute journal or morning journal or anything like that? Do you currently use any, or do you, do you have your own process that you sort of go through that, that, uh, you know, you use to recognize and realize, you know, those, those things that you should be focusing in on those positives. So currently I, I have, I have, you know, I've done multiple times the five minute journal, the six minute journal, yeah. the miracle morning, and yeah. they're all fantastic. And I actually, so a little plug, remarkable, the, 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 the tablet has yeah. been phenomenal for me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a paper pen guy, I guess, cause it's not paper pen, but right. It, but yeah. it still feels like that. <laughs> but, but I, I basically took all of these, I mean, I've probably tried five or six different journals. And there's different nuances that I personally appreciated or when I was on to the next one, I'm like, man, I missed that element or of the, of whatever it was. And so I actually created my own that I've, you know, and I do it in 90 days. And so I just created my own and created 90 days of it and dragged it into my remarkable. And so, I mean, it appears as if it's, you know, a six minute journal or a miracle morning journal or whatever every 90 days. So I'm on my version three now where I'm like, 
you know, I, I, I added something like, I mean, 90 days ago, I'm like, man, I would love to end my day for me. Did I see God's hand in my life? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. before I go to bed in my journal, what, you know, what was I grateful for today? What did I learn today? But did I see God's hand in my life? And I, you know, and it, it forced me to, to, to do that, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's like, I think for me coming up with what, what I needed for me was better than, you know, just taking the journal off the shelf. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I think that's the iterative process. That's the, is figuring out like, and I feel like I've not done anything that I, I'm a, you know, zero to one where I've created something that's never been in existence. I'm a great, I'm a great copycat. I'm a great curator mm-hmm. of other people's ideas, concepts, and tools. And so that's sort of like one example of, there's nothing that I do or have done that's like never been done before. It's yeah, yeah. I'm I'm constantly taking, you know, bits and pieces from other places and and making it, you know, fitting it into my you know my kind of sphere and and life. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And again, that goes to I think you know sort of the core of the entrepreneurial spirit, right? You know, you you you're taking your learnings, taking the things that you liked and, you know, again, creating something new and, and uh, making it work for, for your own life. So no, I love that. I love that. Talk a little bit about what you, what you do now. You, you were in commercial real estate. What, uh, what, what, um, what do you do today? That's an interesting question. Cause I'm sort <laughs> of in, in, in an evolving place and, but for the last, you know, 12 years. So as I, as I kind of started mentioned previously, I, you know, acting commercial real estate broker. And again, like any professional services, servicing clients, but then how do you, you know, how do you scale up? And so putting systems and process, it's really a function of adding people, putting in systems and processes, and how can that experience become repeatable? And so as we've scaled that up, and then added, you know, additional services where we were doing traditional sales and leasing for you know business owners and entrepreneurs and that's that's what i've always loved about my my role is you know i was a service provider but really we were the same you know whether i'm dealing with a doctor dentist cpa you know technology ceo i mean we're dealing with the same issues of scaling up and people mm-hmm. and process and you know systems and and really space was a part of you know part of that and so kind of as I grew out of that role of, you know, transacting, it's, you know, building a business around it and adding adjacent, you know, additional services. And, and we've got some unique, in fact, we, we represent dentists across the country. So we help them with site selection, oh, wow. you know, additional locations. And then we got into like the whole sort of life cycle where we're doing practice valuations where, you know, dentists are buying and selling practices. Yeah. And so, and then we're helping them place associates so they can scale up because that's part of, you know, growing a dental practice is you've got to bring on associates. And yeah. so we, we, we've kind of niched into this whole dental segment, which is really interesting. And then I've subsequently made investments in other, in other businesses in, within the ecosystem, which has been a lot of fun being, you know, an early stage investor. And so that, I mean, that's a little bit of my sort of professional world, if you will. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And, and when you going back to the point when you made a, a shift, I guess, into niching yourself into, you know, such a specific niche, 
what was what was the catalyst you know with that because i mean obviously in real estate you could you could you know you could just rent out office space or you could rent out you know medical space even was there something that you saw or some reason why you decided to to niche specifically with dentists or in that in that industry that vertical so yeah that's an interesting question because really you'll see like practitioners typically niche you know Mm -hmm. where you know if you take commercial real estate brokers you know, one might sell apartment buildings, right? Or one might sell office buildings or one might do office leasing or one. So you've got, you have a lot of specialization in, in, you know, in within the industry. And so I just coincidentally saw a really tight ecosystem. This was, I mean, when the market was really tough. So this was 2008, eight, eight, nine, and realized it's a really small group of consultants and vendors and, they all kind of play in the same in the same space. And years ago, we used to call it dental high school, where it was like the the entire industry felt like a high school. And actually, if you go to national events and things, I mean, there's people that have been in the space for you know 30 plus years. Yeah. And some some hop around from you know offering different products or services, but it's I mean they stay in this same really tight ecosystem, and we so the firm itself doesn't just specialize in only working with dentists but we've typically we've always encouraged our advisors you know just like a you know, financial advisor and attorney to specialize just like i mean a law firm would have you know bankruptcy corporate law litigation whatever it is you yeah. know having sort of specialized advisors and that's so that's how we've kind of built that the commercial real estate firm is everyone has a specialty and and within that, there's a whole team in this dental piece that that then has spun off other other businesses, kind of sister businesses with other stakeholder groups. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, in, in a lot of ways, not all the things I'm involved in are under the same, you know, the same corporate umbrella, if you will. It's partnering with others, yeah, and and complement, and yeah. yeah, exactly. And so it's just it's really finding complementary services and great operating partners that can execute. Yeah. Yeah. And, and any advice on finding those, those, those partners, you know, do you have any way of, you know, vetting people? Obviously I'm sure there's probably a full, you know, due diligence process that you'd go through, but, but a lot of times too, you know, even just from a personality standpoint, and this kind of gets back to, I'm sure, you know, you've been in situations or gone into business with people that you wish you hadn't, any learnings or any anything that you can you know point out to as as far as you know maybe making sure that you're getting in business with the right person you guys are going to have you know a similar work ethic or you guys are going to gel you know well enough where you know it, it's not always a constant frustration dealing with them i i probably say this maybe not daily but i just found that and it's still the case it's it's the case with hiring it's the case with partnerships you don't ever, I mean, rarely do people go to lunch with someone and they're getting married the next week. They're, yeah. you know, they're going to the courthouse and they're, you know, they're drawing up marriage papers or, or whatever, but you hear that in business all the time. Yeah. They're introduced to somebody, they have a, you know, a great lunch, dinner, two hour session. And it's like, I mean, literally the next calls to the attorney to draw up an operating agreement or, or, or what have you. And look, I've been 
I've been a victim of the same. And again, I'm easily excitable. So it's easy to see, well, we both have the vision. We see the opportunity that's, you know, well, why wouldn't this work out? But what I found is you don't, I mean, again, whether you're, if you're dating someone, it's like, do you want pets? Do you want kids? Where do you want to live? You know, I mean, and this all comes out over time, not in, in a single meeting. And I mean, we could look at, and and there's a lot of marriages that don't work out, right? Even having gone through that process, but I would almost say it probably works out less often in business because none of that is extracted. And what I personally found, and, and this is always my comparable set is like the kids, right? One, one wants no kids and one wants eight kids. But yet you see that in business all the time where it's like, man, once we got going, it was like, I wanted to grow it. And the other partner was like, no, I just, I just want a dividend check. I want to make extra X, Y, or Z. And it's like, wait, what? But I mean, there's probably hundred million. I don't even know, you know, hundreds of thousands of cases of this where, and so, you know, when I talk to friends or, or, or colleagues and it, slow it down, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's have those meaningful conversations really. I mean, I think extract the vision of whether it's again, I mean, do you want to stay home and be with the kids? Do you want to work? Do you, I mean, yeah. what, what do you want your, I mean, in, in a business setting, how do you want to grow this? And how do you, how do you think about risk and debt and raising money? And, you know, I mean, what are, what does this look like to you and how do you, you know, and never mind what happens if things don't go? I mean, I've seen this a bunch of times. No, you don't go into a business planning for failure, mm-hmm. but then when you hit your first really difficult, it's like it sort of unravels people's personalities. Yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, what was that all about? But yeah. you almost have to have these same conversations. Well, what do we do if this happens? I, I'm just like the next guy. I don't. I'm not. I'm. I, I succeed. I'll, that's all I do. I succeed. I'm mm-hmm, I, everything mm-hmm. I touch is going to work. You don't go into any decision or plan assuming to, to fail, but how are you going to handle it if it doesn't work? Yeah. And, and those are the types of things that I just, it, I don't personally hear a lot of narrative around that, that, you know, take the time to really smoke out all those issues and, and each person's interests, capacity, work ethic, you know, desires, all, all those things before you actually go into, go into business. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And, and you've mentioned this a few times too, how you're excitable, how, how, you know, you, you, you like looking at the new things and that, and you, you sort of have said like, you you currently are looking for things that sort of complement your, you know, your current portfolio of business, we'll say, do you have any advice for people to, you know, steer clear of the shiny object syndrome? Uh, you know, is there, is there a way that you have found that you like to focus? Is it, is it specifically like I've got, you know, these assets, you know, how does this other thing fit into those assets or are there still things, you know, out over here that, that are, Oh, that, that looks interesting. You know, we should, we should go and try to, to play in that. What are your, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, look, I think I think there. If you're looking at return on investment, whether it's you know, if you're just looking at your capital, but you also it's like return on time spent. And mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen many books or 
listen to a lot of podcasts on and creating a metric around return on time spent, right? And so yeah. it's one thing to, I've, I've become a fairly active angel investor. And so it's one thing to write a 25,000 or a hundred, I mean, whatever, right? 50,000, a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollar check. It's one thing to write a check, but it's another thing to commit to time on an ongoing basis because yeah. it's also another thing, whether it's your time or it's money, am I writing a one-time check or am I writing a quarterly check and essentially in perpetuity, right? Yeah. Which once again, I think in a startup and, and entrepreneurs don't necessarily even think about that. It's like, oh, I can, you know, I'll write a $50,000 check or a hundred thousand dollar check, but what about in four months or six months yeah. or, you know, whatever. And so for me, I've had to sort of build some filters and what I've personally found is also giving it time because I, I, I mean, I, and I think I'm sort of in comp, probably the audience, is, I mean, I'm in sort of a common ground here where everything seems interesting. It seems reasonable. It seems exciting, whether it's people or products or opportunities, but really forcing yourself into some form of metric, right? Whether it's return on time spent in form of, and it may not be financial, it may be impact, it may be influence, it may be, but having some form of metric to understand what success really looks like, but then also having a filter of like, whether it's time commitment, emotional commitment, you know, does this, does this fit in my, in my ecosystem? I'm excited about it. I mean, but I'm not necessarily giving my filter, but I think everyone should have one so Mm -hmm. that whether it's a scorecard and it's like, it's gotta be an 80 out of a hundred or I don't do it because for me, I might be a yes. And then I run it through the scorecard and then I'm like, Oh crap. It's yeah. It's, 60, it's a 65. Yeah. Uh, I want to do it again. You know, either, either <laughs> that's good enough for me or it's like, well, maybe I should skew the numbers so that it's, yeah, but it I in think, there. Yeah. right. And I think people do, we do that, right. Yeah. Cause we want yeah. it, we want it, we want it so bad or we've already made the decision. And so putting these disciplines in place has really helped me because I want to say yes to everything. And really when you kind of put it through some form of a, you know, filter, it's like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. You, and you mentioned a couple of times uh, about books and that, are you, are you a big reader? Are you an avid reader? Avid reader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what are some of your favorites? Whatever book I just finished reading or I'm reading right now. I honestly, I, I, I rarely read a book and maybe I'm a little, I'm like a pleaser, but I rarely read a book and I'm like, this is terrible. Don't ever, you know, mm-hmm. shouldn't read it. A lot of the classics are, are I, I, honestly, I guess it really just depends on what you're looking for. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would say the most influential for me has been Think and Grow Rich mm-hmm. has really helped shape. And, and based on my religious persuasion, the Book of Mormon has been like the, the I mean, like the freaking keystone of who I am. Mm-hmm. And so whether, you know, you're a Quran or a Bible or, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you, there's consistency there where people are like making that a regular part of my personal, intellectual, emotional, spiritual development is constantly learning. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm a physical reader, so I like to physically read books, but I love to listen to podcasts and, and audible. And so I'm just, I'm always trying to consume because yeah. I feel like, I'm constant. I mean, if I'm refining that 
that skill and and my ability to maybe it's like refining the intuition or refining your ability to see things faster mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it all comes from continual learning yeah and and do you get into any type of like fiction or, or more creative side of things because I'm kind of the same way I like business I like learning I like trying to you know make myself better whatever that might be and other people are said no you got to disconnect you got to be you know connect more with the creative side and then the other things will be that much better and I just never you know to me it, it's just not attractive to me at all are you the same way or are you or do you disconnect a little bit too no I'm a lot the same way in fact and and I've had to sort of force myself to weave in some fiction here and there so my wife's also an avid reader mm-hmm. and we're we're like equally freakish in our separate <laughs> where you know i'm this maniac always you know working on something new always trying to learn you know mm-hmm. professionally taking lots of risks and my wife is a stay-at-home mom homeschooler mm-hmm. that's like reading about diet and exercise and and unschooling and you know creating a love of learning and all these, you know, but, but she's always reading fiction books and saying like, I mean, and, and I, I agree with her. I mean, if I'm sitting on a beach and I'm bringing three or four nonfiction books, yeah, she's like mixing a mixing something, you know? Yeah. And I will say, so the, uh, sort of newer author, Jack Carr, okay. I don't know if you've heard of him. I haven't. No, it sort of, it's, it, maybe it's a little bit like violent, a lot violent, but yeah. you know, he's a, he's like a ex Navy SEAL. And one of my friends turned me on and all of a sudden I'm like, I can, you know, I read all four books in the span of, you know, three or four months. Yeah. And, and I, and it was like the first time that I'm like, man, maybe I could really, you know, get into like weaving in fiction books here and there, because it was like actually entertaining as opposed to, you know, always in pursuit of of learning yeah 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 now i'll have to have to check him out hopefully he can connect with me the same way so i'll uh i'll check that one out so tanner this has been fantastic this has been a great conversation i think that there's been many 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 good nuggets and and directions and you know just just you know the way that you've approached your life and and evaluated and sort of distilled, you know, your past learnings and, and brought them to where you are today. Yeah. This is just, this has been fantastic. Uh, if people want to learn more about you or your company or, or anything, where would you suggest that they would go? That's a good question. That's a, I don't, honestly, I, I don't, I don't really know because I'm not, I, honestly, I'm not really in pursuit of like new business. Personally. And, I, and I, you know what, I, I don't think that we should I don't think that we should uh, edit that because I like that answer because so many other people are so, so quick to self-promote and, oh, I'm here and here to look at my website and all this and that. And I think that that, that, that says something about your personality in itself, just that, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to, to try to promote all kinds of different things. So that's, that's an incredible answer in itself. I love it. I, I mean, honestly, if people want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I mean, that's, I, I'm happy to be a sounding board to other entrepreneurs if it's just hey you mentioned this or what do you think about that or have you been in any programs or you know whatever like i i just i just want to share you know because people have been so gracious sharing with me over my my life and career that i'm happy to share the the you know the the things that have been proven to be effective for me so yeah I love it. I love it. Maybe, and, maybe you, if you want to just include my LinkedIn or something. Yeah, we definitely can do that. 
absolutely. And are you are you big on mentorship too? Do you have do you have mentors and people that you've gotten advice from over the years? Would you say? I, so I am, but I I've a lot has been like paid coaching and yeah. consulting, and because of sort of my I mean I, I got into my industry and business really young, and so I had to be sort of in this fake it till you make it, and I and so I it. It wasn't until honestly the last handful of years that I've really sought mentors mm-hmm. in a meaningful way rather than just, you know, I mean, I, it was very su- superfluous where I was just, I mean, I was trying to be a leech as opposed to really learn and grow and mm-hmm. all, benefit them as much as, you know, them benefiting me. Yeah. And so but maybe that's, that's been fun. sort of the, yeah, exactly. That's when it's a lot of fun, you know, when you're, when it's not one-sided. Yeah. Right. Love it. Tanner, again, many, many thanks and uh, congratulations on your success and your outlook. Love, love everything. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.